0: Think about what's going on with our diplomatic diplomacy with the the North Koreans, and you hear them threatening missile strikes against the U.S. territory in Guam. And I think about what would occur if that should happen. I, I, I think about the so-called. Uh, opioid epidemic. I think about how I lost an uncle to heroin, to a heroin overdose. You know, I I was watching the, few weeks back, or a month or so back, the BET Awards. And I was saddened when I was watching the BET Awards because it just seemed like everything was about marijuana and i think man our people we're struggling and we don't even know it some of us are facing personal struggles financial Struggles, marital struggles, emotional and psychological struggles. Church, there's a battle going on. And we think we have the audacity to think that we see what's going on. We think we know the enemy. We think we can defeat defeat this enemy on our own. We think that we can defeat this foe through social and political means. The reality is this battle is taking place in the spiritual realm. We can't see these warriors, but they can see us. We can't see this enemy, but it's real. Ephesians 6, 12 reads as such. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. This is a spiritual battle. When we struggle, there's always something in the background, somebody in the background that you can't see. There's somebody there that you don't know about that is plotting against you. This is a spiritual battle. And effective warfare requires Three basic things. Number one, before I even go into that, I I have a little bit of experience. I spent eight years as a military officer. I know what it's like to plan for a battle. I know what it's like to, to prepare and get ready to fight. I spent over 10 years in law enforcement. I know what it's like to be prepared to to bust into somebody's house. Bust down the door. Not knowing what's on the other side, but I've done my research. I know what's on the other side. I know what can harm me and what things I need to be looking out for. So When it comes to a spiritual battle, I could look at three major things. Church, we're in spiritual warfare. In a warfare, first thing you need to know is who your enemy is. Then you need to know your armor and your weaponry and how to use it. Then finally, you need to have a battle plan and execute it. In a spiritual battle, our enemy is Satan and his demons. We often see pictures of Satan depicted as a buffoon in a red suit with a long tail and horns and a pitchfork. The reality is Satan is nothing like that. That idea came about from early Christians who were taught that Satan, because of his pride and arrogance, couldn't stand to be mocked. So if you mocked him, he would flee from you. So pictures went up all over the towns depicting Jesus as a, I'm sorry, depicting Satan as a buffoon in a clown suit. With the red suit on and the tail and pitchfork. That's what early Christians believed would keep Satan away from them. But as time went on, the children of the early Christians didn't explain the reasoning for the red suit. And people started looking at Satan as a joke. Well, I'm here to tell you, Satan is not a joke. Satan is real. The truth is, he is a powerful being. He was created by God. He's intelligent with emotions and a will. He was created a spirit being, an anointed cherub, as stated in Ezekiel 28 and 14. Satan exists. Bible references establish Satan's existence. Every New Testament writer refers to Satan. Every New Testament writer refers to Satan. At least seven of the Old Testament books refer to Satan. Even Christ's testimony establishes Satan as a reality. There are 29 passages in the Bible that refer to Satan. Of those 29, Jesus spoke 25 of them. Satan has a purpose. His purpose is simply this. To defeat the work of Christ. That means to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan and his demons want to ruin your testimony and mine. He wants to make us Ineffective as messengers of Christ. His whole goal is to steal your joy. He is the father of lies. That's our enemy. That's who we are fighting against. That's our foe. Although Satan is a very, very powerful being, he was the highest created being, the highest of all created beings, an anointed cherub, but he is not God. He is not God. He does not have the ability to be all places at all all times. He is not all-knowing. He's not omnipresent. He's not all-powerful. But his influence is all around us. See, the reality is uh, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he was kicked out with one third of the angels in heaven. Now, I don't know what that number looks like, but I'm guessing there was a lot of them. And those angels are now what we call demons. They are the ones that are here on earth. Satan may be in Korea somewhere, North Korea somewhere, whispering in Kim Jong-un's ear while his demons are here whispering in yours. He has the power to influence believers if we're not careful. He has the power to possess non-believers. So we as Christians, as believers, we need to know how to fight this battle. We have just found out who our enemy is. Now let's talk about our weapons. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18 reads as following finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in, hev- in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done so, done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 18 describe our weaponry and our armor. The things we have to have in order to be able to defeat this foe that we have. Verse 10 says that we need to be strong in the Lord. You need to find your strength. In the Lord. That takes faith. Verse 11 talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And 12 says, remember who your true enemy is. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Folks, we're in a battle for our lives. When you struggle, when you're going through stuff, when 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 you just feel like you're getting it's coming at you at every angle, it it, it just feels like you don't know what you're gonna do. There's a battle going on, and you can't even see it. We don't even know it. We're being influenced. Things are taking place on the other side of what we can see. But We need to fight. And we need to use all of our armor and all of our weapons. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand firm. You know, when when things are, are going tough for you. Maybe maybe things are coming at you in the wrong way. Maybe there's there's financial issues, or maybe there, there's there's issues in your household, or maybe there's there's issues with, with your spouse, or it could be a number of things. Just think of it this way. There's a battle that's happening and that battle is real. And a lot of times it's nothing that you have done but you're just on the end of Satan or one of his demons target list and there's a reason for that. Satan wants to destroy your testimony. He does not want you to be a testimony for Christ. His goal is is to thwart god's plan in your life, fasten the belt of truth what that is practical that means truth it's practical. live righteously, live truthfully. if it says Thou shalt not, the truth is that well thou shalt not if if, if the law says you, you cannot do this in our state, then you cannot do this in our state. It's just truth. Put on the belt of truth. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What does it mean? To put on the breastplate of righteousness. Saints, it's really simple. The Bible lays out for us how God expects us to live. If we're living a life that is pleasing to God, we are putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We have a responsibility to show ourselves approved. To show ourselves as being Christ-like. So that when people see you, they see Christ. The next one put on the breastplate of righteousness. Live a holy life. Here's the thing before I go on it takes commitment and effort to follow Christ. It's not easy. If you think you can follow Christ, just living and walking however you want to live and walk my question is are you truly following Christ amen then it says wear the right shoes embrace righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace see when you shod your feet with the with, with, with the <laughs> had to put my, my specs on again having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace when, when, when you are shot in your feet when you're preparing you're standing firm you're sure footed you're right there you're ready are there any athletes in here anybody play football you don't have to, I'm not talking about now, maybe in history. Because it was history for me. You know, when I was in high school, I played football all through high school, uh, walked on in college for a year, sat at the bench, didn't make the traveling team quit. I probably could have made the traveling team the next year. Who knows, I might have even played, but I quit. Pride, it, I'm allowed to have pride at that time. I wasn't saved, I'm allowed. So, but, but there was this, when, when you play football, linebackers are taught to be sure-footed. They're taught to stand firm. Back when I played football, there was a one-on-one drill that we used to do, where your opponent would stand 10 yards away from you, and then he would come at you full blast and try to knock you off your feet. And your job was to stand there sure-footed. You You were to stand there. You were ready. You were in the ready. And you had this... We had this technique called the flipper, right? And this technique basically was a forearm, forearm shiver. Your opponent would come at you full blast. He's thinking, I'm getting ready to knock him off his feet. And you stand in there. You're firm. You're ready. As soon as he gets there, you, and you will flip him. If you get it just right, you hit him just right. How many of y'all football players know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Y'all know what I'm talking about. And he, yeah, pop him. And when he gets there, stands him straight up and down to his knees. And all your buddies are like, ooh. That's what it's like to stand firm in your faith. When, when you are standing firm, nothing's going to move you. Your feet are st- dead fast, you are ready for what comes at you because you know God's word. You are ready to present God's word. You are ready to repeat God's word. And when the enemy comes to test you, you are ready for him. And you're ready to hit him with that flipper and knock him back on his butt. Wear the right shoes. You got to embrace Righteousness, the only way to embrace righteousness is to know what righteousness looks like. The only way to know what righteousness looks like is to see the examples that are given to you in this book. Amen? And you must be sure-footed. You must be ready at all times. And then finally, you're going to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of... Of the spirit, which is the word of God. Saints, we need to know God's word. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty good at, at reciting scripture. I'm terrible at the addresses. So, but I don't think that the addresses are important. What's important is that you know that when the devil is coming at you, when when his demons are are pressing you, and you know that you can say in your heart, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," you know in your heart, you know when when when, when you, you when you're dealing with that difficult person at work, and you want to tell him off, but then you think the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When, when, when you're struggling, when you're struggling with, with, with that financial situation and you're tempted, you're tempted to just, you know, maybe I'll cut a corner here, cut a corner there. And you know you can bring up a scripture that says, I can't bring it up right now. <laughs> but that's Okay. That's okay. But the reality is, saints, we we need to know God's word. We need to study it. We need to take that shield of faith because you know what builds your faith. Building your, knowing God's word, studying God's word, digging deep into God's word, understanding like, oh, that's what that meant. That's what builds your faith because you're seeing it and you're like, that's what's going on. When I was studying this message, I was studying spiritual warfare and I'm like, that's it. And I'm like, it's strengthening me. I'm ready. I'm ready for the battle. I'm ready for the fight of my life. And here it is. Take the shield of faith. Take the sword of the spirit. You know, I heard Anthony Evans, uh, he he was speaking on on a similar topic. And he said, the sword of the spirit is so amazing because what it does is so sharp. It would separate the soul. That's me. That's Leon. That's Leon's thought. Leon's thinking. Leon's wants and, and desires. And slice it. Cut it right and have it separated from the spirit. And that's God's thinking within me. That's God changing me and allowing me to walk by the spirit instead of by the soul. Walk by the spirit, by God's will, instead of by Leon's will. And that is so profound. We have to allow ourselves to walk by the spirit. It is not easy to take the sword of the spirit. That's God's word. We need to know it. We need to remember it. And we need to recite it. Write this down. Spiritual warfare is an inner struggle for personal holiness. Spiritual warfare it's an inner struggle for personal holiness. Y'all, the battle is so real. A lot of times we think it's just us. I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one struggling with this. I'm the, you know what? The Bible will show you that you ain't the only one going through. And guess what? Your neighbor sitting right next to you probably could tell you the same exact thing. We all struggle, but it's a battle. It's things going on that we can't see, that we might not understand, but we got to be willing to do what it takes. We got to be willing to put on the whole armor of God. We got to be willing to do whatever it takes, if that means to... to. um find the weapons that we need to to, to be strong in the Lord, to put on the armor of God, to remember the true enemy, to put on the whole armor and stand firm, to fasten the belt of truth, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to wear the right shoes, then we need to do it. We need to study the word. That's our weaponry. Our weaponry is God's word. Our weaponry is our righteous living. Our weaponry is doing what God would want you to do. If you think that God would be frown on what you're thinking about doing, then you probably shouldn't do it, even if it's legal. That's our weaponry. That's our armor. Now, how do we put that into practice? How do we put it to work in our lives? Well, you know, we have this Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's been through a few things. One of those things that he's been through was being tested. You know, turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to look at our battle plan. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 11, because this is our battle plan. Amen? Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered him and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up, up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said, away with you, Satan. There's an exclamation point after Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. See, what you're seeing here is Jesus giving us the battle plan. See, he uses all of the weaponry. He uses all of his armor. And he uses his sword, which is the word of God. First part, first temptation. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, many people, for whatever reason, think that the devil led Jesus up into the wilderness. Well, let me just be the one to tell you, it was the Spirit that led Jesus. Because ain't no devil gonna lead Jesus nowhere. Because my Jesus can do whatever he wants to when he wants to. And the reality is, this, this was really just an a opportunity for Jesus to show you and me how to handle this spiritual battle. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. I, I, that's another thing. I stopped at that word tempted. And, uh, you know, although Jesus was fully man, he was fully God. And uh, I don't even know why the devil even gave it a shot. I guess anything is worth a shot. But uh, it was Jesus. This is God himself, God in flesh, What temptation do you have? He created you. Kind of made me mad when I looked at that. (laughs) And when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now realize this. Jesus was 100% man. Now I can only imagine what fasting for 40 days and 40 nights must feel like because I struggled with fasting for four hours and forty days and forty nights immediately after he was baptized by John the Baptist and and he, he forty days and forty nights that's that's gonna weigh on a body. You know that's gonna weaken you. That's going to to, to put you in a place where sometimes Temptation can be pretty strong. There, there are times when uh, we, we, we've been weakened, maybe in our relationship. Maybe, you know, things haven't been going great at home. And that younger, cuter girl in the cubicle that sits next to you, she keep on looking over in your cubicle asking you, Silly questions. Maybe that that relationship at home not going well that great and that, that younger, handsomer, more muscular, not quite as round as yours keep peeking over into your cubicle saying you sure look nice today. We get weak we allow our these weaknesses to, to to influence us. That's spiritual warfare. Who told that girl or that guy to look over at you and compliment you? She probably don't even know. She probably think, why'd I say that? That's spiritual warfare. The battle is real. Now Jesus, after being in the spirit and, 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 and fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He, he had to have been physically in his human sense weak. But because he's fasting in prayer spiritually, not on the soul side, remember that blade cuts that, not on the soul side, but on the spirit side, Jesus had power. And when Satan approached him, and look at what Satan asked him. He, Satan is, 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 people want to think he's a buffoon and he's dumb. Satan is very wise, very smart, very tactical. Now when the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones become bread. Now I ain't eight and 40 days and 40 nights. I have the power. To turn these stones to bread. But Jesus answered him and said this. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus' first response is to quote scripture. His first response is to quote scripture. Remember, uh, as we were talking about the the tools of our warfare, our weaponry and our our armor, uh, the sword of the spirit, that's God's word. Uh, I think I I said that we should probably learn this. And and I think it's a good idea for us to to repeat this. and, And it's a good idea to recite it. And Jesus just confirmed what I said. Jesus' first response was to quote scripture. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Satan was tempting Jesus to perform a miracle outside of God's will. Now, morally, would it have been wrong for Jesus to turn the stones to bread? No, because he was hungry and he had the ability. But spiritually, he would have been tempting God. And Jesus understood that bread alone does not sustain life. If you had you could have all the foods you want, that does not sustain your life. But if God ever decided, you know what, today is your day, guess what? That's your day. God is the only one who sustains life. So we're responsible. We have a responsibility. Jesus is explaining to us. We have a responsibility to trust God in everything. When we're struggling, maybe we're struggling financially. Maybe we're struggling emotionally. Maybe we're struggling psychologically. Maybe we're struggling in our marriage. Maybe we're struggling with our friendships. Maybe we're struggling in other ways that I don't even know. Trust God in everything. Trust God in your marriage, in your finances, in your business. The second temptation, verses 5 through 7 says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands... They shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, Satan decides he's going to quote some scripture. He quotes uh, the protective promise of God in Psalms 91, 11 and 12. It says, uh, in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus, understanding that our enemy knows the word just like we do. Our enemy knows who Jesus is just like we do. Our enemy knows that Jesus is the most powerful being on earth just like we do. But our enemy's goal is to steal, kill, destroy. Our enemy's goal is to thwart God's plan. And he just figured, well, it's worth a try. Just like before the first thing Jesus does is quote is quote scripture. He quotes Deuteronomy 6:16, 6, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Satan was tempting Jesus to gain public attention through a spectacle instead of his righteous life, his righteous message, and his challenge to us is that we are responsible to live a righteous life. When you live a righteous life that is pleasing to God, when when your message reaches people for Christ, when Satan wants to tempt you, it's easier to resist Satan and his demons when you are walking in God's will. It's when you're outside of God's will, when you're doing your own thing, when you're walking where you shouldn't be walking, when you're talking to who you shouldn't be talking to, when you're living where you shouldn't be living, that's when it's easy. For the tempter to step in and say, "Hey, bro, maybe you ought to try this. It's legal. Just because it's legal, don't mean it's Christ-like." Satan is a liar. He desires. To destroy your testimony, I think you've heard me say that again once before in this message and you'll hear it again he wants to destroy your effectiveness as a Christian. His goal is to keep you from being the witness of Christ that God planned for you to be. Amen Then there was a third and final temptation. then the devil left him and behold angels came and ministered to him you know we uh, we, we, we face these temptations this is a temptation that we all face worshiping idols I recently purchased a car I like my car it's black first black car I ever had in my life never knew how much you had to wash a black car But if I'm not careful and I'm spending time and money on a car that ain't truly mine yet, because the first time in 12 years I'm making a car payment, I could find myself worshiping that idol. Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Some of us worship our position in our jobs or, or maybe you worship your, your significant other or, or maybe you may worship your kids. Not in here, not, in, y'all don't worship y'all kids. Maybe you do. That little girl back there said, what? <laughs> Sometimes we find ourselves worshiping the idol, worshiping the created. Satan is simply a created being. He was created by God for the purpose of him worshiping God. But he decided. That he wanted to be worshipped. His goal is to get you to worship anything other than God. And more importantly, to worship him. Let us rebuke this thought process like Jesus did Jesus, again, the devil took him up an exceedingly high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. He's quoted scripture. You shall worship the Lord, your God. And him only shall you serve. Jesus rebuked Satan for asking him to do exactly the opposite of what Israelites were supposed to do worship anything other than God. Jesus' experience serves as a pattern, it's a battle plan for life. So to speak, it's a battle plan for spiritual warfare. Jesus resisted the devil. He then defeated Satan through consistent, meaningful use of scripture. That's your battle plan. Number one, we need to trust God in all things, no matter what the situation is. Sometimes, you know, we're thinking, where's God in this? What's going on? Why, Why is this happening in my life? Where is God? Why hasn't he stepped in? Why hasn't he changed my circumstance? Why hasn't he changed my situation? Maybe... You need this situation to train you, to teach you, to mold you, to guide you, to make you the, 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 the Christian that he wants you to be. Then we need to live a righteous life. What does that look like? Look at the life that Christ lived. He didn't lie. He didn't envy. He didn't hate. He lived by the fruit of the spirit, Love. Joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. He expects each and every one of us to live a righteous life. And then finally, the final thing, and the most important of them all, know God's word. Because you know what, when you know God's word, when you know what his word has to say in each situation, when you know and you understand what God's word would say in this situation or that situation, you will be able to withstand anything because you will have a sword that will split the soul from the spirit. It will allow you to walk in spirit instead of walk in your humanity because God knows our humanity is flawed but the Holy Spirit lives within us the Holy Spirit is God living inside of each one of you that know Jesus as your Lord and Savior that spirit if you allow because he ain't gonna force himself on you but if you allow him to work in your life you allow the the word of God to split your your, your to split that that, that that self from the spirit and you allow God to work in you and allow you to walk in righteousness and righteous living, you will be a powerful being here on this earth for the glory of God. Amen. The battle plan works, but only if you know how to use your weapons. Listen to this quote, quote from uh, John MacArthur. Uh, any of y'all familiar with John MacArthur? He, he is a, a wonderful teaching uh, theologian, and uh, I listen to him all the time on the radio. Spiritual warfare is a war of universal proportions, pitting God and his truth against Satan and his lies. It's a battle of wills between God and Satan. It is a cosmic conflict that involves God and the highest creature he ever made. It filters down to every human being. Folks, every one of us are in battle. Some of us are on the front lines battling out. Some of us are in the rear firing the artillery. Some of us are hiding out in the foxhole, not willing to get out into the battle. Who are you? In conclusion, we, we now know our, our enemy. We know our weapons and our armor. And we have the battle plan. Now what? God says we need to join the war. Our challenge is to suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Fight the good fight. Resist the devil. Be firm in your faith. Be pure in your doctrine. Be pure in morality. And that's how you resist the devil. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to just come before your people and share your word. Father, we, we ask that you would uh, change hearts, change minds, open up hearts, open up minds so that people would come to know you in the saving knowledge, Jesus Christ. Father, maybe you right now there's somebody in here who, they have a, an idea of who Jesus is. They've heard the stories and they've, they've heard the, the truth, but they never could bring themselves to change, allow themselves to be changed from the inside out. But today, maybe their heart's open. Maybe their mind is, is ready to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, right now, um, if there's anyone here who who would like to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's a simple prayer that I want to pray with you. It's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of Giving up, giving in, and allowing God to take control. If you are here and you wanted to receive Jesus as your Savior, would you pray with me? God, I know that I am a sinner. And I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Then three days later, he rose again. And now he resides at the right hand of the Father. He is there to intercede for me. Father, right now I open up my heart and I ask Jesus to come in. I ask you to send in the spirit to live within me and change me from the inside out. That is my prayer. My prayer for salvation. Father, save me. In Jesus' name. Now with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer today and you want to receive Jesus, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Right where you're sitting, would you just raise your hand? Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise God. Angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Every time a new believer gives their life to Christ, there is a celebration in heaven. And we celebrate here as well. Amen. Father. We